Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with legendary jazz tenor saxophonist and composer Bob Shepard. He talked to us about his newest 2019 CD, The Fine Line, with John Beasley, Jasper, Somson, and Kendrick Scott. It's a good, and these cats have a great conversation on this album. So, for more than four decades, the multi-instrumentalist has played on countless sessions with astounding A-list jazz giants like Chick Corea, Freddie Hubbard, Michael and Randy Brecker, Mike Stern, Herbie Hancock, Kirk Elling, Diana Reeves, and so many others. And he's also recorded and toured as a leader, contributed to hundreds of movie and TV soundtracks, served as an educator, and so much more. And there is still so much more that he wants to do. So please get to know him and dig this interview, my friends. Well, hey, Bob, it's nice to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. I'm looking forward to it. Well, thanks for uh, your interest in uh, interviewing me. Absolutely, yeah. man. So let's start off here and talk about your latest CD, The Fine Line, with John Beasley, Kendrick Scott, Jasper. you got a great lineup. It's a great sound. Talk to me about the artistic vision for this project. Well, you know, the, 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 first of all, that my uh, my CDs that I have out my under my own name are, are few and far between. <laughs> I've been busy as a just a working musician, jazz musician, and studio musician, and uh, so you know it was it was way overdue for me to get a record out, and it was just, it was a it was a timing thing where uh, Jasper, my friend who lives in uh, Holland. Uh, uh, happened to have a production deal with, uh, with Challenge Records and, uh, and, and sort of, uh, he was the catalyst that made it happen. But as far as the record, uh, itself, you know, like, uh, I, it, there's not any sort of a romantic, uh, vision that I had behind it other than trying to, um, you know, show my, uh, you know, sort of frame, make a framework for my, um, you know, uh, you know, saxophones, soprano, alto, and tenor, and, uh, and played some pretty stuff, you know. I, I wanted to play some pretty stuff, uh, uh, and uh, I like I like harmony, and I like I like um, the soft texture. So I wanted to include that. Def- definitely, like just sort of have a framework for my playing. And and uh, and, I, and John Beasley is a genius, and he is a guy that I trust to uh, in, in every respect that uh, to, that will um, make. The music come alive, and uh, Kendrick Scott is one of my favorite drummers. I've played with him before in in New York and in other places, and uh, he is uh, um, just you know a guy that that I would want to have. And it's, you know, there's a, there, I have like a you know a handful or two of dream drummers uh, that I that I, that I would like to play with, and then I've been fortunate enough to play with over the years. And said, so, hey, how about Kendrick? And he was available, and uh, and of course Jasper was. Uh, part of the mix because he was the uh co-producer as uh as he's listed on the record and uh then and then and just trying to make some music and i sat down and just came up with uh you know uh a blend of tunes and uh, that was it it's not not a lot of uh i don't know uh, much more than that <laughs> i think a lot yeah. of records sort of happen that way you know uh, people want to sort of uh put you know all, all kinds of uh, uh layers of of reasons, but I just, you know, I need to make music. I want to, I need to actually do this more often. Uh, you know, uh, not that I, uh, I'm reluctant to do it, but, uh, you know, my, my, uh, history as a musician and, uh, my work has been, uh, you know, sort of, uh, all over the place. And it takes, it takes a lot of energy and time 
to uh, to sit down and just really do this. You know, it was so much fun doing it, and I want to do. I want to put out a record. You know, now that I'm getting older, as I get some more some more stuff out there in the world. You know, so I don't know. That's 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 really the simple truth of it. You know. Yeah. So you grew up in Philadelphia, and you know. You ended up having gigs with Tony Bennett, Sammy Davis Jr., the fifth dimension. Talk to me about growing up in Philly, how you got involved with music, and how it kind of steamrolled. Well, uh, those names that you can't, how did you come up with those names? I mean, I did play with those guys, but those are in the context of, uh, you know, work slash industry gigs, you know. Um, are those on us? There must be on a resume somewhere. Yeah, I, it was the bio that actually Chris put together, so he had some good stuff. Oh wow! You know, you know, so so you know, those those the listing of I there's probably about three more pages of those kind of celebrities that I've played with, but those aren't my jazz creds. You know, my jazz creds are 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 I would I would go to first. You know, from Freddie Hubbard to Chick Corea to to Lyle Mays to you know people like that. You know, but over the years I've played with. Those kind of people, but you know, in Philly, you know, growing up in Philly, you know, I started working gigs, as, you know, from the time I was in tenth, eleventh grade. We were everybody, you know, we I was in bands, you know, so I got I got this experience of playing every kind of music there was to play, and that's how and I, you know, I grew up in this middle class Jewish family. Say, so if you want to play, be a musician, you better figure out how to make a living. You know, my dad wanted me to be a doctor, but he said practice the clarinet every day. So um, you know, but the, I guess I guess because of my middle class background, I just sort of uh, I, I wanted to make money, and there was an and as a musician in back east around Philly, there were tons of gigs. Like we all and all my colleagues, you know, we we sort of have this experience of they didn't. There was no other way to get music, so there was gigs. You know, there was I don't care if it was a corner bar, to a Holiday Inn, uh, to a uh, Elks Club, whatever it was. You know, they were all jazz gigs to me. I was learning how to play and stylistically. So what happened over the years? I got good at just doing everything. I mean, I could I could just sort of read everything. I, I was a legit clarinet player. I started studying flute. Uh, I could walk into any any Broadway pit or any uh, do any that backup Tony Bennett or something like that. It's, it's a, it just sort of like fell into what my uh, my abilities that I could do. So even what happens over the years is I started working a lot, and uh, you know my path my paths are many that uh, took me in different directions. And uh, when I moved to L.A., uh, I was always going to end up in New York because uh, that's that was my you know my my goal is to move to New York and become a working musician. Not necessarily. I wanted to become a jazz musician, but that was sort of like, uh, you know, jazz was always the highest goal, and being a great jazz player was always my highest goal. But I, you know, I, I don't know. I just didn't have like uh, this vision of, of uh, becoming the next, uh, you know, Sonny Rollins. I just sort of like, uh, you know, I just said, well, I, I get, I get how that happened. It's probably not going to happen for me. So I got still got to make a living, you know. So. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know if that makes sense or not, but my my work, my ability to do many things, sort of sort of controlled my destiny actually, and we're, and and en- ending up in Los Angeles uh, was was really bizarre because uh, I I've, I was never uh, you know west of Harrisburg, frankly, you know, 
I didn't know anything about L.A. and the L.A. studio scene or anything. I knew there were studio musicians and people that did that, but uh, that wasn't my focus. I was going to be a New York musician. That was that was my goal. Didn't know what was exactly what was going to happen with that, but you know, my my dream was to play as much jazz as I could, and um, and 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 make a living while doing it. And uh, so that's. So that's what happened actually in, in L.A., but uh, with a little bit different focus because the L.A., uh, you know, the music scene is very much uh, a studio scene where I, I got the chance to, you know, play on many, many movies and TV and whatever, you know, everything there is to do in recording. I've sort of done it at this point. But all along the way, I was always going out on the road, Steely Dan, and I got lucky to play with, with Freddie Hubbard for over seven years, actually, on and off. Chikoria's band, and, and, you know, just like things happened for me because they could do lots of different things. So I, I don't know if that's sort of a synopsis or not, but that's sort of my arc of my career. Now, later in my life now, I'm, I'm concentrating really as just playing jazz. And that's that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to put out you know, jazz records, and I'm uh, going on the road about lately with Peter Erskine's band, and um, on the road with John Beasley's band, and uh, Billy Childs from time to time, and uh, trying to book my own gigs as well. So, speaking of the jazz crowd, you've had a lot of people, like you mentioned, Freddie Hubbard and a lot of other cats that you played with. What did you learn from the veterans, the masters, the legends that were in jazz that really helped you grow, not only as a musician, but as a human? Very good question. Uh, everybody has, uh, you know, probably um, more to offer than others. Freddie Hubbard was uh, didn't transfer a lot of uh, information as far as learning from what he said, but how he did it. You know that I think if you talk to anybody that played with Freddie, and you know, and I've talked a lot of to some veterans of Freddie's uh, bands. Um, you know, every, there's a lot of people that Freddie hired over the years, and we all have sort of come to the same conclusion. It was, uh, it was terrifying and exhilarating at the same time. When you got on stage with Freddie, first of all, you couldn't couldn't believe how powerful it was, and 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 just stunningly genius what would come out of his horn, and then you had to follow that somehow. That was a that was very daunting for anybody to play with Freddie because it it was it was sort of sink or swim time you know so just being able to get through it and be okay and still get hired back I think that was uh, a huge learning experience for all of us is being able to sort of like figure out how to um, negotiate the music and and play something uh, that that was. Um, uh, up to Freddie's standards, so you would be able to survive and get called back again. And you learned, I learned a lot. I'd probably he's my, my, uh, biggest teacher in a way because, uh, just hearing how he was so masterfully, uh, able to tell a story on, it, it was, it was sort of, uh, this transfer that, you know, in a symbiotic way, you just sort of learn so much just from playing with a guy that, that was so, so heavy, you know. Chick Corea uh, was another uh, personality. He was a very, very controlled person in a way that uh, very, 
it went after the music in in a very uh, you know sort of a, a way that uh, that what that was not willy nilly. He had specific things that he wanted to hear and wanted you to do. Not to say that it wasn't you weren't free to do your thing, but it was under the sort of a, a more of a, a umbrella of like this is what it should be, and I want you to mold things in this way. So I learned a lot from Chick um, just from. Again, just hearing him play every night and, and feeling how uh, in command he was of the music, but also as a uh, as a band leader, he was he's a true band leader, and he knew how to get the most out of uh, the band in in a, in a very very cool way. He he wouldn't ever tell you what to do, but you sort of uh, knew that he, what he wanted because of the way he would articulate things and the way he would. Uh, um, uh, he had a real clear vision of what he wanted, you know, and and so every every gig I I went into was was uh, particularly you never knew what you're going to come out with, you know, like uh, it's it's a it's a very cool question to ask musicians. Actually, I've done it myself with some friends. Like, hey, what was it when you're playing with? Not just was it fun or whether was it uh, this or that. It's just like what you know, how did he go about doing this? How did he tell you what he wanted to do? When I worked with Horace Silver, for instance, you know, I was sort of uh, just um, just totally in awe of Horace Silver. I grew up with Horace. I thought one of these days maybe I'd get a chance to play with him, and I did. It was a very short time I was subbing for somebody, but he was very interesting in the fact that he would... He wanted the, the 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 vocabulary to be very mainstream, very very inside. He didn't want you to go in and out, as we say. And he, he, if I played a little outside of the changes, uh, you know, and played more of the red notes, if you will, he uh, he didn't like that. He said, "No, no, this, you know, play play more." He would actually tell you what he wanted to hear in your solos. So so it's it's really interesting, you know. It's it's always fascinating to 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 play gigs with with uh, other people and and you're trying to read their minds and you're trying to do your job while you're trying to express yourself. So it's a real balancing act and maybe it relates to my album title which is the fine line. Right, it's like there's. I've thought about this whole idea of there's a lot, there's a fine line between, you know, doing your job and being creative and and how you you know deal with situations. You know, there's a lot of fine lines in, in our lives. You know, and, and related to music, there's like, you know, um, you know, there's this this concept sort of underlies a lot of um, things in music that I've uh, sort of come to realize over time. So, you know, you're out in L.A., and one of the big things that I know in, in what I've done with this show is that, you know, in different epicenters in this country, there's different focuses, and obviously in L.A. with movies and TV, you've been in that world. What do you think about that exposure that you get through that? Is it, I mean, it's kind of bittersweet. It's like sometimes people will probably hear it and not know exactly who it is, but is it great to have that exposure? Well, I think I think it, it, it lives in its own little world. You know, I don't I don't think exposure is the right terminology for it. There's there's very little exposure as a studio musician. You sort of live in in uh, four walls of uh, of a soundstage or of uh, or a studio, uh, and that part of it is not a one that uh, comports with being a jazz musician at all. You don't go you don't 
to become a studio musician to uh, to get famous. So that just it just doesn't work that way. And actually, you're very, you're an anonymous person for the most part. Uh, you you're not anonymous within the world it lives in. There's, we all know each other, and we know we all respect each other. Uh, but it, it is a, a, a real function of uh, of of uh, of being a craftsman and doing your job, basically. So, you know, the fact that I've sort of bridged both worlds, uh, I thought it was just completely normal for me to do that. But as uh, as I learned over many years, it's like usually that doesn't happen that way. Usually it's, you do one or the other. You know, you're usually out playing, you're a live performer, you're a touring performer, or you're you know, you're a studio guy, you know, and you just do that, you know. So I didn't realize what what I what I did was that unusual until I hung out with the great saxophone player Dave Binney. We were at some place in Russia doing a festival, and he happened to be there, and he said, well, man, how did, you, how did you do both things? Like, that's very unusual. I said, I don't know. That's, it just happened that way. You know, I didn't try to do any of it, actually. It just, it just sort of, uh, you never know what road you're going to go take, and then that leads you to whatever, wherever that goes. So, you know, so being a studio musician has, has actually, you know, been able to uh, support my jazz habit, really. Um, and, 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 and whatever, either, either studio or, a, uh, you know, I play on the stage of the Hollywood Bowl all the time with the Hollywood Bowl Orchestra, you know, in the orchestra. So, and I love that. I'm not, I'm not, I never expect to get any kind of, uh, um, souling or, and once in a while it happens. But anyway, there's, that's a function of a, of a working musician, you know, as a craft, a craftsman, you know. So I like both, I like it all. So I, I don't have a problem with not having my, my name on the, uh, on, on uh, the, the billboard, <laughs> I guess. Right on. So, you know, one of the best parts of our educational journey, whether we're a listener or we're a musician, are those live shows that you see, especially the ones, the first ones. What was one of the first live jazz shows you saw that really moved you? Hard question. You know, I suppose depending on what age, uh, the first uh, live jazz gig my dad took me to in Levittown, Pennsylvania, uh, was hearing Charlie Ventura play. I was very young, and I heard this monster saxophone player with this amazing sound you know back then it sort of was wow and then i heard uh, phil woods play in trent new jersey and it was like hey i want to do that you know and uh there was there was uh hearing uh you know weather report and miles davis in princeton new jersey back in the day and those bands, you know, and, but the, the the main thing that was my driving force and wanting to become good was uh, was hearing Thad Jones Melvillus Orchestra um, every well not every Monday night, but I would drive up from South Jersey where I was going to school to hear that band, and I I would just sit there and go, man, if, if someday if I could only play in that band, that was that was very important to me to hear. I love that music. I could sing just basically every every part and every chart. I, I, I memorized it. I loved it. So, you know, the big, big band music was very much part of my background. And where I went to school, there there was we had a great big band in high school. There were high school uh, competitions. We had 
you know, everyone from Buddy Rich to Woody Herman to Maynard Ferguson at her school every year. And so it was, uh, that was a, a big part of, uh, how I got into music is, is through playing big band music and hearing big band music. So it, and to this day, um, you know, I, um, I do big band gigs all the time here in LA and, uh, and when I moved to LA, and when I moved to LA back in uh, 1980, I immediately started playing with uh, Toshiko and Lou Tobacco and Big Band, and Bill Watchers, Refuge West. Uh, I played Bill Holman's band, Bob Florence band. I mean, it was, there was big bands every day if you wanted to play in a big band down at the Union, you know, rehearsal hall. So there were there's so many, um, you know, music was just in my life all the time, and uh, it's it's all culmination you know um, just just hearing music and good players you know and being around big players better than me that was uh you know i was very fortunate to have that experience so let me ask you this everything's going to come down to this everyone has a perception or their aversion of who they think you are your family your friends your fans but you know yourself best who do you think you are well i think i'm uh of myself as a uh um <laughs> very very good question so um you know there's part of me that thinks uh of myself as a as a craftsman that can supply what's needed at the time and there's this other part of me that is uh bob shepherd i know i have my own voice people I mean, people know my playing when they hear my sound and so I'm, I'm 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 sort of split right in the middle, you know. There's part of me that just really enjoys playing the horn and doing a good job, and the other part of me wants people to know me as Bob Shepard and as someone who who I know I am. And now, in my as I get older, I say, hey, I don't care about so much about being a craftsman. I want I want to play. So so this part of my uh, my self perception is like I'm Bob Shepard, the jazz musician, and I want and uh, that's that's who I am and. And uh, so that's 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 sort of uh, not a very clear answer, but yeah, uh, it's what I have to offer as a jazz musician. I think is uh, is personal, and uh, and something that uh, people seem to respond to. Hopefully, they 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 will continue doing so. I just like the idea of 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 the music. The music keeps me alive, literally. I mean, if I don't play jazz. You know, two or three times a week in my little studio where I'm talking from now, I'm looking at my set of 60s scratch drums that uh, I have guys over. I, I lose a sense of of purpose and like a sense of what I'm supposed to be doing. So that tells me that I'm a jazz musician because I need it. Sort of like you know, you know, air and water. I, I just need to play. So I don't know if that answers your question, but certainly does and it's a great answer yeah that's great and bob that 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 wraps it up man thank you for taking some time out to talk about your life and music and thank you for the music no thanks joe that wasn't too painful thanks for listening and tuning in to another neon jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in philadelphia new york city kansas city and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz and thanks to bob for his time his music and his cool if you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.